Hello, and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me is Jane Litt from DearAuthor.com. Yay! I'm sorry. I was supposed to start this differently. Let me try that again. <clears throat> Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. Just kidding. This week we are answering listener mail, voicemail, email, regular mail, large signs left on our front yards. We're talking about books that we liked, recommendations that we've made, and books to recommend when you're in the mood for something funny. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I'll have some information about the artist at the end of the podcast. And I have a message from our sponsor. Are you ready? Susan Wiggs fans, go on a Lakeshore Chronicles treasure hunt and find the secret coupon code. Visit harlequin.com slash treasure hunt. Timing is anytime, and the hunt expires September 30th. So get on that. Go hunting. But don't hunt Susan Wiggs. I don't think she'd appreciate that. You want her to write another book, right? If you're her fan. Come on now. That's enough silliness for me. And now, on with the podcast. This is a reader email from Laura X. Her question is um, something that popped into her head when she was reading Julie James's Something About You. Laura says, I really liked Colin, the hero, heroine's male best friend, and the interactions he had with the heroine. Uh, Colin is not your stereotypical um, gay best friend. He's a sports columnist. And um, the guys who iron their boxers are actually heterosexual in her books. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Colin is, is not a uh, ironed uh, boxer type of guy. No. Up until the wedding scene, however, I found myself enjoying his character with a kind of bittersweet pleasure because I knew he would not get his own companion book. I generally enjoy sequel bait uh, in romances, especially the characters close to the hero or heroine. But in this case, I felt like I knew from the outset Colin would never get his own story because he was attracted to menfolk. As it turns out, his romantic storyline gets resolved within something about you. But it got me thinking about the role of gay and lesbian characters in mainstream romance. I know that sometime back in, on the podcast, you discussed how MM was growing uh, area of romance and how the proliferation of smaller e-presses has encouraged writers to explore happy endings other than the me Tarzan you wife. Are there any current linked books or series out there that you know of where, for instance, a feisty lesbian friend to the heterosexual heroine gets her story? If you don't know of any existing romances like this, and I have been unable to discover any in my book wanderings, how long do you think it might it will be before this sort of crossover might surface, either indie or more mainstream? Or alternatively, uh, do you think it might be possible might not be possible for writers of one type of relationship to write about other relationships? Um, she says lesbian best friend, and I don't know of many mainstream lesbian stories, although um, Karina Press just released a lesbian superhero story. Yes, we reviewed it as well, or Carrie, Carrie did. Which was a really fun story. Mm -hmm. I actually thought it worked, the lesbian storyline worked great because they were both superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it just worked really well for me. Um, but... I do know that there is a lot of, not a lot of mainstream um, MM fiction, but there is some. Uh, obviously, Suzanne Brockman's probably the most well-known for writing mainstream MM fiction. Um, she had a hardcover Christmas release that featured the 
romance of a long-running gay character. I think his name was Robin, and Robin's uh, ultimate lover, and I can't remember if the lover's name was Adam or Tony. It's one of those two, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Adam, Tony, Steve, Colin, eh, whatever. And then J.R. Ward um, has a uh, storyline about Quinn and Blay, and I believe one of them is bisexual, uh, but they have their own uh, romance. And I think it's her next book or the book after. Um, Olivia Cunning is an author who writes some male-male fiction, um, although it, it does have a woman in it. Uh, the, the most recent or her upcoming release and I actually shouldn't even talk about her book because she really got angry with me for tweeting about her uh, the first chapter of her book. Oh, gosh. Um, but uh, Double Time is her upcoming book, and it is uh, features two men and a woman, but the woman's kind of extraneous in that story. Um, Laurela James, she's pretty famous for writing some uh, um, MM characters Love stories. She's made the USA Today list for her. Um, that's well, you- the Rough Rider series. Rider series, right? Um, the thing that's interesting about Lorelai James is that she'll have characters that are in a gay relationship in one book, and then they, when they get their own story, they end up in a polyamorous relationship with a woman, and it's a remarkably well done transition in terms of the relationship. And the thing I like about that is that the gay relationship is not something they were. Um, they had to be cured of or they had to be gotten rid of that it's part of their happy ending because it's part of who they are. Right. I have a little difficult time believing in those. Um, you know, if, if you have such a great committed relationship when you were with another man, if you're a man, then why would you want another person, e- even if it's a woman involved in that relationship? So that The polyamorous aspect? Well, not the polyamorous aspect. I think it's when you are in a gay when you are in a committed relationship and in one story and then in the next story you bring in a woman, is that just to pacify the female readership? Don't know. I suppose it happens with some people. I I see more and more about polyamory um, in the news even. I I love how your memory is much better than mine. I'm like, I've got two. Jane's got like 25. I mean, Lauren Dane has written about MM relationships, but again, those um, feature the mainstream ones feature a woman in them. Right. I think what this person is looking for is specifically the the gay best friend who gets a happy ending in their own book. And I don't know if that's going to happen. The first thing that I thought of was A Lady by Midnight by Tessa Dare, which comes out on the 28th. And I, when I was writing my review for this book, I wasn't sure if the arrival of a whole bunch of characters in the middle of the book constitutes a spoiler because it has an effect on the heroine and, and who she is. But... To make it as vague as possible, a whole carriage full of people who I sort of saw as sequel bait on wheels come into the story. And the the head of the family has, I believe, two sisters, one of whom is in a long-term committed lesbian relationship with the woman who used to be her governess, and they are now just companions. And the family accepts it and just sort of explains this is that that's so-and-so, and, her, and the person she's talking about is her companion. And... They're aware that it's scandalous, but it just sort of is in their family, which I thought was fascinating and a really interesting portrayal because there hadn't to be gay people during the Regency. This just didn't just explode in the last, like, 50 years. Um, 
the thing I don't know is whether or not they will get their own book or if they will be part of the backstory of the continued saga of the um, sequel Bait on Wheels. Because in the in A Lady by Midnight, when they arrive, the sister and her companion are in the middle of a fight because the sister had to go home and wouldn't let the her, her companion, her partner, come with her, refused to let her jump come to the family. And so they're mad at each other. So maybe the reconciliation will be part of the backstory. I don't see them getting their own book. I would be floored if they did. <laughs> I would love to see what kind of cover it got because Avon likes the big chesty men and that just wouldn't work for a lesbian romance. The other book that I, that I thought of that isn't quite a secondary character is um, Maggie Robinson's uh, Master of Sin, which came out in late March. The hero of that book was a was a was a whore and was a sex sex slave when he was a child and then um he basically whored himself out to men and to women and then has his own happy ending and that's a totally different portrayal that that's going to cast a, a completely different uh reflection on his gay relationships in the past and i haven't read the book to see how he discusses it with the heroine who is of course quite virginal and probably very shocked or she's described as virginal i haven't read it yet i think suzanne brockman's um in romance is the one that i can recall where the gay um best friend does get his very own book amanda quick had lesbian characters in her historicals as far back as what the er early 90s or whenever mm -hmm. she was publishing yeah the early 90s they didn't get their own books no okay cool shall we move on to another question sure all right. And this was from late July. I'm listening to the back list of podcasts and loving it. Thank you. I'm on the summer reading one and I heard you read, you read Julia Quinn's A Night Like This. Did you find it as disappointing as I did? I was angry at the heroine, the really unbelievable situation. And I too was hoping it would be just like the first one, which I loved. This is from Galatea. Okay. Yes. I already reviewed this. So I'm sure that you read my review and also Carrie's review on, on Smart Bitches, but I was very disappointed by it. I honestly felt like a chapter was missing from the book because part of the conflict rests on the fact that she is a governess and he is the Earl and she is very mysterious and quite closed mouthed about her past. And so she can't reveal who she is or where she comes from because then that would potentially reveal why she is no longer connected with her family. And so it is an issue for everybody that he is interested in her and he could get her fired and cast out without a reference. And if the truth of her past was known, they wouldn't really want her in the house anyway, most likely. And by the force of his amazing regard and I guess being an Earl, he it, there's no problem all of a sudden. He's going to marry her. Darn it. And everyone's like, well, okay. And I honestly thought that there was a chapter missing where all of these issues had been resolved because the characters talk about the problem in their social status, but then all of a sudden it's okay. So yes, I did, unfortunately. But it, like I said in my review, I'm still going to continue to read them because there is an inherent safety in reading the Quinn novels now. There are so many characters from previous books that you know aren't going to die or have anything horrible happen to them that it's very comfortable and safe and very sort of warm and bubbly and fuzzy. And they're quite nice to sort of engage in for a little bit and then go read something else. They're, they're not quite comfort reads, but they're sort of... Oh, I'm, I'm lacking an analogy for what it's like. Well, speaking of Quinn, I've read, and maybe I misread this, but you are, you obviously read her more than I do. So, um, but I read that she is going to write 
the Bridgerton mother story. Yes. And that she had long said she was never going to write that because mm-hmm. obviously he dies. Yes. For, B- so, long uh, time before. Is she actually writing the mother's romance with the father or with a new man? I do not know. I, I, I am going to guess a new man because I can't imagine that the, the knowing that he's going to die is going to make the story any less or more enjoyable. It would be quite painful to read. I have no idea who it's going to be. It'll be interesting. Well, you know, Stephanie Lawrence wrote um, the story of the mother of the, the, uh, of the, the sinister Duke. Uh, Sebastian, I can't even remember these guys' names. No, no, that's Sylvester. I can't believe Sil- I know. Sylvester, thank you. Sylvester. His mother is the Dowager. The Dowager, you know, he cheats on her because that's how they got scandal. Yeah. When he was on an ambassadorial trip to um, Scotland and he yep. cheats on her with some, the chieftain's daughter. Yep. And uh, I could never read that story. No, I, I'm not sure I could go into that one either. And and uh, I, from talking to other readers who did read it, it she never addresses the cheating. It, it's the romance is only up to the "I love you, let's get married" sort of thing. So it never addresses the cheating aspect. Huh. That's interesting. Which I think made it worse. I think I would have been more interested if they had addressed the cheating. Although I don't know if I could. I don't know. I just. Um, It'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. I haven't read Queen in a long time. Um, the last um, Quinn books that I remember reading were the Dukes, the two Dukes books. And, oh, the Lost Duke of Wyndham and Mister Cavendish. Right, and they were fine. Um, and I and I thought that it was an interesting experiment, and I applaud her for doing it. But I just kind of. I don't know. I have to admit that overall my taste for historicals has really died down. And so I don't know necessarily if Quinn's writing has changed or whether my tastes have just, um, and I think it's just me. I think it, I think it's me, not you. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think it's me, not you. This is from Julia B. Dear Sarah and Jane, recently I've been catching up on some of your older podcasts. In a couple of them, you talked about the friends to lovers theme. I am also a big fan of this theme. The problem is with my buckshot style of picking books. I haven't read too many good romances featuring that plot device. Do you have any favorites to recommend? Um, I do. And, and the only reason I have this list at the ready is because last month's Dear Author book club pick was a friends to lovers trope. And um, we had a really phenomenal discussion on A Civil Contract by Georgette Heyer, which is a true friends-to-lovers book. And the reason that it uh, aroused so much discussion was that there was a great debate about whether the characters had settled or whether they had actually fallen in love. And um, there were sharp... Uh, opinions on both sides, which is, you know, the the um, the source of any good uh, discussion that people had differing opinions. But so last night's scandal by Loretta Chase was the friends to lovers pick, 
And these uh, were two characters that were introduced in a previous book called Lord Perfect. And they were children at the time that they were introduced. And then Last Night Scandal is their, their story. Um, and one of the remarkable things I think Chase did was really capture and preserve the spirit of the characters as they were when they were young uh, <clears throat> in transposing or, or extrapolating them into adulthood. So I actually asked uh, uh, Ms. Chase a series of questions um, about the friends to lovers trope. <clears throat> the, she says this was the first friends to lovers uh, story that she had written but it was much harder than she had expected. The advantage is they're already friends and they have a bond, and the difficulty is transforming that friendship to a sexual relationship. So I thought that was real interesting. One of my favorite friends to lover stories is Anything for You by Sarah Mayberry. These are two business partners and best friends, and uh, the heroine has been in love with the hero for a long time, and she decides that she spent enough time mooning over him and that she's going to make a change in her life, and she's going to find someone that uh, she can love, and if that takes her away from him, so be it. So when she starts moving away from him, he starts to realize how important she is in his life and that the feelings that he has for her aren't just friend-based. I love that story. That's one of my favorites. Ravishing the Heiress by Sherry Thomas was a friends-to-lovers book. It was kind of a, I thought it was a very angsty read, because the, it's also an unrequited love story. The heroine is in love with the hero, and she has been for eight years. And um, he believes that she, they are just best friends. And they're married. This is a historical. And his first love comes back to England, and she's no longer married. She's widowed, and he tells his wife that um, he's going to set up house with this other woman, believing of, that his wife would not be concerned about this at all because um, they're just friends. And he actually believes that she too has her own secret love. Like he's had his love. Um, only he doesn't realize that her secret love is him. So, uh, and, and that as is he, uh, as the story goes on, he begins to realize how important this Millie is to him and how every kind of milestone in his life he shared with her. And um, he begins to compare the woman that he thought he loved with Millie and how Millie's so restful and this other woman's so impetuous and Millie's this. And, and, and you know, when you, do, when you have such a close relationship with a person as uh, Fitz had with Millie um, and their lives become so intertwined, uh, it's hard to unravel that. Yes, and it's hard, it's, it's hard to do what Chase said about tipping the balance from friends to sexual relationship. I mean, there's so many friends to lovers stories. There are, but those are really good ones. Now, there's one last message, and this is a voicemail from July 20th. Hi, this is Amanda calling from Philadelphia. I love the smart bitches, and I was wondering if you could give me a recommendation. I've been reading romance novels for about six years now, and I got turned on to them when I was in my vampire books but not Twilight phase. Anyway, what I look for now in romance novels is a sense of humor. I love Jennifer Cruzy, Erin McCarthy, Loretta Chase, and Julia Quinn. Do you have any other authors to recommend? I'm really looking for more. I'm pretty much run out of my favorite authors, and everything I find is a bit too serious for my taste. 
Thank you so much. I love the podcast. Bye. The transcript is kind of hilarious. Oh, I know. I know. The, the, the transcript of what Google Voice thinks she says is really quite funny. And I, I got turned on to them when I was in my vampire books, but not pilot phase. Yes. <laughs> and the car dealer attaches Julia Quinn. I love Jennifer Creevy Aaron. The car dealer attaches Julia Quinn. Of course, we all know what that means. And the funny thing is, I read that and I knew exactly what, what she had actually said. She said Aaron McCarthy, not Aaron the car dealer. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations for her? Well, definitely Tessa Dare. Yep. Courtney Milan. Um, well, I don't know. Courtney's not very funny. I think she's pretty funny. She, some of her characters are very dry and hilarious. Like the relationship between the three brothers in the um, Un-What-Do-You-Call-It series, they were all very funny with each other. Tessa Dare is much more light humor, though. Um, Jill Shalvis, although she's not funny, she's more lighthearted. I mean, I think Tessa Dare has a subtle wit to her. Boy, I hate to, uh, funny. Hmm. She's already read the authors that have made me cry laugh. Like, Aaron McCarthy can make me laugh so hard. I liked The Marrying Kind by Ken, I think it was Ken Jennings, which was hilarious, but not quite a romance because it was more of a, a comedy. Um, there's somebody right on the back of my mind that I'm trying to think of. Humor is such a subjective thing. I mean, like you thinking that Courtney Milan's books are humorous and that, you know, and, and then then there's books like, oh, I think Christy Craig is supposed to be humorous or Gemma Holiday, and none of their books actually work for me. No, the, I haven't found those funny either. It's, it's, it is a very subjective thing. There's a name, and I'm going to have to ask the Internet for help here. Hang on. Rachel Gibson, that's what I was trying to think of. Thank you. Rachel Gibson was who I was trying to think of. Durr. All right, so yes, Rachel Gibson I would recommend to her as well. And Jane Graves. The one thing about Rachel Gibson, and I always tell people, is that her, her heroes are really assholes. Just be prepared for the asshole hero. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Anything else you want to talk about what you're reading right now? Let's see. I read um, three Harlequin super romances. Oh, which ones? I read the November um, Sarah Mayberry, which is actually kind of humorous. Suddenly you. Is that the one with the sort of lavender uh, cover and sort of looks like a, like I think it's a window or a picket fence? No. <laughs> that one is the one, um, the one that Reese, that came out in August or September, and it's the sad one. Oh, the one that makes you cry? Well, I didn't cry, but <laughs> I'm not a very good judge. Because the only time I cried was when I was pregnant, and I blame that on my increased hormonal level. Oh, if I read anything when I was pregnant, it would make me cry. Um, so uh, the, uh, no, the lavender one with the bed and the open window or whatever the very pastoral setting looks like a Susan Wiggs cover is uh, the one about the Michael whose wife dies and then he falls in love with his wife's best friend, Angie. Oh my. Um, so I, re I actually read that, uh, but no, I read suddenly you, which is a very fun story. I actually think you will like this story. Um, there's no, there's, there's a few hijinks, but believable ones. The hero is the brother of the heroine of a previous book, the title of which I cannot remember. But he's a 
auto mechanic. Uh, his father owns um, an auto repair shop, but doesn't want to work for his father because he doesn't want to have the responsibility of taking over the business for his dad. He's always f- thought that responsibility would be um, um just not something he wanted. He enjoys going to work, doing his job, getting his paycheck, going home. He likes to, you know, live a footloose and um, fun lifestyle. Mm -hmm. His best friends is Steve. They've been friends since, you know, since they were kids. Mm -hmm. Steve um, dated this girl and got her pregnant. And then they broke up after she got pregnant. And he sees her standing um, on the side of the road. Her car's broken down, and he pulls over. And um, from there, he realizes that she doesn't have the money to repair her car, so he repairs it for her. And he says to her something like, well, why isn't Steve helping you? Well, Steve isn't helping her because Steve told her that she was either going to get a termination or he wasn't going to offer her any assistance. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, so Harry doesn't want to believe this about his best friend. Right. Even, even if he didn't want the kid, you still stepped up and you did your responsibility. Um, and he starts then to do some things around the house for this woman. Um, and the more time he spends with her, uh, the, you know, the more attracted he feels toward her. But he's very conflicted because, you know, you don't sleep with your mate's X ever. No, that's a bad idea. And his friendship means a lot to him. Um, But uh, ultimately, they can't control their hormones and they fall upon each other like ravening beasts. That's always good. Creates a good scene when that happens. And that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Future podcasts will involve Jane and I disagreeing severely about a book that we both read. And more listener mail because a lot of you had a lot of opinions about the podcast we did about serialized fiction. The music you're listening to is from a group called Enter the Haggis. Shouldn't a band title like that be always pronounced with like a huge echo and and some, you know, damper pedal? Enter the Haggis. This is off their album Casualties of Retail and this track, I kid you not, is called Martha Stewart. The music was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter, at Sassy Outwater. And I'll have links to the album and the artist for Enter the Haggis on the website. I have another message from our esteemed sponsors up in Canada, Harlequin. You can go retro with Harlequin Treasury. There's over 2,000 vintage Harlequin books from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Visit ebooks.harlequin.com slash Harlequin Treasury. Anytime. They just added over 480 titles. So, you know, go find one. Tell me which ones you like. Because I like the covers. I haven't read many of the books. So if you have recommendations, let me know. If you'd like to email us about this or any other podcast we've done, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call our voicemail number. You can also leave us a message on our Google Voice number, which is one two zero one three seven one. DBSA, which stands for Dear Bitches Smart Authors, except that Titunes doesn't like cursing. But that's an American number in the United States, so count your pennies accordingly. But it's Google Voice, so hey, talk as long as you want. The transcription will probably be extreme comedy. And no matter where you are and what you're doing, Jane and I hope you are enjoying the very best of reading. <laughs>